0: Heavenly Father, uh, thank you just for uh, your empowering spirit. I pray that you would uh, come upon me uh, and give me wisdom, uh, lead me and guide me as I endeavor to preach your word. Uh, let it be an encouragement, and above all else, let it position you above everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Ghosted. We are in the Ghosted series. Ghosted, the phrase, I feel like it belongs to a generation. the the texting generation. And I, uh, you know, Ghosted is about the Holy Spirit. And so my first thought was the fruit of the Spirit. And so that's kind of what my message is going to be about. Before we get into it, we got to get into like, we got to get into the mood. And so I wanted to, because I feel like Ghosted, the phrase belongs to the texting generation, because my message is about fruit. I want you to go into your phone, go into your emoji in your browser window, okay? And I want you to pick your favorite fruit. Now you got to pick from the emojis because if you like exotic fruit, like I don't think you're going to find star fruit in the emoji, but find your favorite fruit. We're going to drop them in the chat right now. Favorite fruit, drop it in the chat. If, if it's the orange, if it's the plum, I think technically uh, eggplant is a fruit because it has seeds in it. And I don't want to start the fruit, the great fruit debate, but you can use the eggplant emoji is all I'm saying. Okay. So this is a whole, we're just dropping fruit in the chat right now to get ourselves in the mood for this ghosted message. So ghosted, Holy Spirit, the person, the presence, the power, and I'm not even talking about any of that. I'm talking about the fruit and it doesn't start with P. I'm sorry, Pastor Julian. But the fruit of the Spirit. So if you're a church kid, you might have learned a Sunday school song that I'm not gonna sing, but you would have heard about the fruit of the Spirit. It's something we get really excited about as Christians. And if you haven't heard, don't worry, I'll catch you up. By reading Galatians 5 with you. So this is, uh, first of all, I'm gonna give you homework. There's two, I'm gonna read through two passages, but please, please, please read all. Start at Galatians 5, 1 and read all of it because the way Paul contextualizes it is incredible. And then later on, you know, if you wanna if you're the overachiever and you wanna write down your homework assignment now, my homework assignment to you is to read Galatians five, one through six ten. Right, that's like almost a chapter and a half. I know, I'm sorry. And then all of Matthew 13. Okay, that's the homework assignment. Write it down. You'll do that afterwards. But for now, we're gonna read a part of both of those scriptures together. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Can we pause there for a second? Paul just defined evil, Evil wasn't Thanos snapping half of the population. Evil isn't Maleficent from, you know, uh, Sleeping Beauty. Evil isn't your roommate sometimes. Evil isn't the guy that double parked across the street the day before street cleaning and you couldn't find a spot for like half an hour. It's anything that is the opposite of what the spirit wants. Sheesh. Anything that's the opposite of what the spirit wants. Okay, crud. I guess I've done some evil today. Okay, let's continue. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what our sinful nature desires. Those two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Oh, wow. So my good intentions aren't enough. My good intentions aren't enough. I got to go and, and in the combat, in the tension of my two natures, my sinful nature, my human nature, and my spiritual nature, and I, in that conflict, I can't even trust my good intentions. What can I trust? But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Long list of janky things. But the Holy Spirit produces a different kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So there's two, and I didn't read the list of the naughty things, but there's two outcomes. There's two results. There's a production that can occur one from our human sinful nature, and one if we live our lives as led by the Spirit. So, I want to talk about how to produce fruit in a message that I'm calling Homegrown. Okay, now, that's why there's a cantaloupe here. Um, you probably were excited to find out why. I figured I wouldn't make you wait long. A couple weeks ago Julian preached and he did this bit that I wanna call back to. He talked about how we like will flick fruit and I learned that's actually because there are people that believe watermelon will resonate upon flick at a B flat when they are ripe. That is not true, sorry to myth bust anyone that picks their watermelon by flicking. but yeah, I mean, you know, it's true. You can, you can, you can judge fruit to see if it's ripe. So uh, this is a cantaloupe. And the way you actually find out if a cantaloupe is ripe is you, you smell it right here. There's like a little spot where the stem was removed or cut off, and it's called its core. Okay, if you smell it at its core and it smells like cantaloupe, it's ripe. <laughs> And I guess if you don't have context for what cantaloupe should smell like, you're guessing, like me. But I mean, obviously if it's like soiled, it would smell bad, you'd know it was bad. But if it's like underripe, and it just smells kinda like cantaloupe and not totally like cantaloupe, I, would, I wouldn't know. Like I'd bust this open? and be like, oh, it's underripe. Like, I need it to smell like starbursts. Like, those, those I know. I can smell a pink starburst versus a red one. Watch me. It's interesting to me that, uh, and and I asked for apples, and we couldn't find apples. Um, We couldn't find apples. We can find apples. There's more context to this later. I needed seeds to go with the fruit, and we couldn't find apple seeds, okay? So we had to improvise. Uh, we, because my wife went shopping while I was message prepping. So she FaceTimed me, she's like, I found cantaloupe seeds. And I'm like, great, that's great. Hopefully cantaloupes in season when you go to Ralph's. Um, but I, actually it was kind of prophetic as I was like reshaping my metaphor around a cantaloupe. The idea that you sniff its core to see if it's right. I feel like we, we, we can know good fruit by checking the core. But then we kind of like sniff around each other a little bit. Like, how long you been following the Lord? I heard you called your wife that bad name once. We start sniffing each other. I don't know. I, I feel like we like to judge fruit. Because fruit judges also get to be fruit harvesters. You know, the, the core of my message, Homegrown, is, is really this, in prayer about it, I felt like God wanted us to go from gathering to gardening. And I feel like we can attend church with this mindset. Like we show up and we want to gather. Right, like that's why we get judgmental. Because we want to go and we want to gather friends, and so we just start like, kind of sniffing around. <laughs> And it's good, I mean, it's wise to do this. Like, I'm not telling you to go pick friends with bad fruit in their lives. What I want to cautious us on is to become gardeners and not gatherers. I feel like we can attend church with a consumption mindset. And we, just like Amy, went to Ralph's, the local grocer, and brought a cantaloupe home. That we can do that with the fruit of the spirit. We can attend church seeking morality and virtue, pick up our weekly dose and go home with it, and then it expires by Thursday and we wonder what's going on. And we can't go to our own backyard to harvest our own fruit. I believe God has more for you and me and all of us than being sustained by the surplus of someone else's harvest. My prayer for you is that in this message, I could help encourage you and edify you, teach you the way to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. So that as we live in abundance and overflow, that that overflow doesn't end up serving your underflow, but that you can operate in overflow and serve someone else's underflow. If you want that, lean in. This is the message for you. So as we think like gardeners, now the focus goes from consumption to cultivation and curation. I'm going to talk to you about cultivation and curation today. First, let me just address anyone that's impatient. Gardening takes time. That's why a lot of us like to just go buy our fruit. It takes time. It takes time. If I say, hey, friend online, I want some cantaloupe from you. And I give you this packet of seeds. It's melon, hearts of gold, just like all of you. (laughs) It's heirloom. Actually, I learned that heirloom means it's of a strain that was never influenced by GMOs. So we like that. It's organic. I give you this and I say, hey friend, bring me back some cantaloupe tomorrow. You would not accept that mission, right? Like we all know, maybe you don't know that you can't turn this into this overnight. And while, you know, we could pray for that miracle to happen I think there's a reason these things take time. And so I want to, first of all, before we even get into what I have to teach, I just want to give you permission that that this, I don't expect you to bring me this tomorrow. And anyone that does is leading you astray. Let it take time. Let the Holy Spirit do his work In your heart, let it take time. Don't compare yourself to your friends who are maybe further along in the faith or maybe they're behind you, but they somehow accelerated. Do not let comparison rob you of your permission to take your time. The Holy Spirit needs time. Cultivation needs time. There's a verse in uh, Luke, Luke 6, verse 43. Talks about a tree and its fruit. It says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. I think that if I were to say, endeavor to live a godly life where fruit is produced, that we might start to then try to produce fruit. If we're to become cultivators of fruit, then we think, I would say, we need to focus on the soil. So this is what I want you to write down. Cultivate the conditions of our heart. So if we're gonna be cultivators, I want us to be cultivators of the conditions of our heart. That is the soil that I'm referring to, and that's biblical, but first, that is the soil. It's enriching this soil that will set us on the journey of producing the fruit. Okay, so first, this seed has to go where? In soil. This is where we get to Matthew chapter 13. I'm not gonna read the whole thing because I'm already like halfway through my time. Um, I'm gonna read some, but you have homework, read it all, please. Uh, Let the context, there's a middle chunk I'm cutting out that is so good. But at one, later that same day in Matthew 13, one, Jesus left the house and sat beside a lake a large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen. I, just, I raised my voice because the exclamation point. An emphasis. Listen. I think it wants us to listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Who wants a crop that is 30, 60, or even a hundred times? Throw the uh, hundred emoji in the app if you want blessing like that. Everybody wants that harvest, Right? If you had to pick between 30, 60, or 100, who's like, oh, no, just 30 for me? <laughs> no, man, I'll take the 100. The disciples, the part I skipped, they didn't get it. So literally, Jesus ends with like, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And they were like, we don't get it. So, and this is my favorite parable because Jesus spells it out. And I love it when the Bible is explicit. explicit. So later on, this is verse 18, the same chapter, Matthew 13. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds. The seed that fell upon the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for, the belief, for believing God's word. In other words, the circumstances rob them of the word in their heart. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. And finally, the seed that fell on good ground represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as planted. This is why we have to cultivate the conditions of our heart. Because in cultivating the condition of our heart, we're cultivating the soil in which God will plant seed. And in this case, the seed is God's word. So in this moment, I'm actually, if I tore this open... (laughs) And in metaphor, my words become seed and they are being scattered right now. They're being scattered right now. So I'm doing my responsibility. So, what can you do? You can ensure that that seed falls on good soil. So, let's talk about what it means to cultivate soil. I have, a, I have the definition, we're gonna throw it up. I'm gonna look up like this, but for you watching online, it, pretend I'm looking down like this, okay? Right, so prepare and use land. I don't know how I'm doing, but, right? For crops and gardening. Okay, we're all done. The land, parenthetically, the land, prepare and use, I want you to replace it in your notes with me break up soil okay parenthetically soil in preparation for sowing and planting replace that in your notes with my heart raise or grow plants put your put me again and now i want this to be your prayer as you receive god's word anytime as you read god's word and if you don't please do as you come to church and listen to Pastor Julian or me or any of the wonderful people we have up, or even if you don't go here and you're just checking us out wherever you do go, let this be your prayer when you encounter God's word. And that's what will start to loosen it up and soften it up because there's these three other alternatives to your soil that I don't wanna see happen. And we could, I could preach a whole other word on that. But just really quickly, There's the word that gets snatched. That's, if you want to keep that word close, that's where you cultivate your belief, okay? And then there's the word that falls on rocky soil. You're excited about it, but then you get distracted by circumstances, right? That's, What robs that word? And then the third one, when you don't have deep roots, when you don't belong in community, that's why we do connect groups, right? So that you have people that can speak God's word over you when you start to doubt it and help you deepen your roots and keep you from getting pulled out of the ground as you receive God's word. You know, it takes about three to 10 days for a cantaloupe seed to germinate. I know, you didn't think you'd get some fun agriculture facts, did you? Maybe you're wondering what germinate means. It just means to grow after a period of dormancy. Yeah, B, okay. Can I I just point out that sometimes we get this word and we don't let it sit dormant for long enough for it to actually sprout, which is what happens after it germinates. So the seed gets planted before any roots or leaves even come out. It has a season of preparation that is dormant in the soil before anything even happens. So can I encourage you when you receive? Sometimes I'm, I'm, I get energetic, right? I mean, Steven's on camera one right now. He's like, "Don't get too energetic, Nelson." I'm him. I'm him. we're playing. All right, so can I just encourage you though, when you get a word, a seed from God, whether it's written, prayed, you heard it, you read it, you listened to it, just sit with it. Do, can we just be that church that we're willing to just go like, wow, I just read that and stop. Wouldn't that be novel? We don't get all thunder thumbs on Instagram, right? I mean, and sometimes like I'm not mad at the people that encourage us with scripture, but like sometimes, I mean, and I have to even do this. Sometimes when I read the Bible, it's for me. Sometimes when I get a word, it's just for me and I don't need to say it yet. So just let it sit, let it germinate. Okay, how long until that seed's ready for harvest? So with cantaloupe, 75 to 80 days. Like two and a half months. It's like a whole season. So definitely not tomorrow. One of the things that's so important to making sure that this becomes that in about 80 days is the conditions. If we're to switch our mindset, lives live lives ghosted, live lives led by the spirit with the fruit of the spirit, then we're to become curators and we're to curate the conditions of the environment. So we cultivate the conditions of our heart, right? We make sure that our trauma and our past and the distractions of the world don't create enough hardness in our heart. We soften that up so we can receive God's word in it and let it germinate. And then we mind the conditions. A curator Got the definition there. Curators look after and manage exhibitions. Not as good as last time. Um, <laughs> they design the exhibition, how it's laid out, and what items are included in the gallery. Also, curators may conduct public service activities on behalf of an institution. Uh, the scripture that Lynn read, go and make disciples. Disciples. All of us as Christians are actually called to become public servants and do activities on behalf of the church. Not this one, the big, the church, God's church, Jesus' church. He commissioned us in Matthew 28. He said, go and make, so if you get to do the end of the the sentence, well, we've got to curate the environment. I got to make sure that I've created the right conditions for the seed, God's word that's been planted in the soil, my heart to produce a fruit. You guys remember last time I preached, we went to the Louvre. We took the imagination train to the Louvre and I painted a Mona Lisa. Now I'm not the artist, but we're gonna take the imagination train back to the Louvre. And now I am the curator. It's a big job. Curator at the Louvre? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see any congratulations, guys. I, you guys need to congratulate imaginary me for getting the biggest job in the curation market. The Louvre. I'm a museum curator at the Louvre. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. Probably drive my dream car. I still have Amy because she is my dream wife. I'm a museum curator at the Louvre. And I forget to turn on the AC. Ooh. Now that has consequences for like the the patrons. But that could actually have consequences for the artwork, right? Oh, oh, we forgot to pay the light bill. Oops. It's dark in a museum. Not on purpose. I guess sometimes there may be like a museum where you could smell stuff. Not when you'd want it to be dark. But anyway, the the loop should not be dark. I'm literally there. There's special lights that shine with just the right brightness at just the right angle to produce just the right reception of the image because it's like some of the most special art. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? yet you're not your own. There's a verse in Ephesians that calls us masterpieces. If you came to my house and not the hand-painted Mona Lisa from imagination time last time, but the actual Mona Lisa, you came to my house and you're like, dude, I heard you had the Mona Lisa. I kind of want to see it. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Come on back. And I take you to my closet and I remove my pile of collectibles and I remove last year's puffer jacket and I grab my old luggage that I should have thrown out two seasons ago, because I already replaced it, and that's the luggage I broke the zipper on from two messages ago. Um, And then under all that garbage, there is the masterpiece, the Mona Lisa. You would instantly be like, dude, I don't think you're taking care of that. I don't think you've created the environment that was intended for that masterpiece. Can I ask you to curate your environment, you, the temple that the Holy Spirit resides in, with the same care that you would a work of art? I feel like we're called not just to curate that, to to create an environment where fruit would grow because it needs the right amount of water and sunlight and air, but also because it's an acknowledgement of the fact that we're masterpieces, that you're a masterpiece I think it grieves God. He worked as hard on you as he did on me. It grieves him to see you not treat yourself as anything other than the masterpiece. So would you be willing to polish the temple up a little bit? Right? Like we can kind of like sweep up the trash of our past. I'm not saying under the rug. I'm saying take care of it though. Like what does it take? I, I see a therapist for mine so I don't have to sweep it under the rug, but I can actually vacuum it up and dispose of it properly, right? Can we light it up a little bit? I know sometimes it's like, oh, but that corner, that embarrasses me a little bit. I don't want you to see that part. But if, if it's not well lit, I can't, I can't see the good part along with the bad part. And I really want to see the good part, and I don't care about the bad part. Right? Can we create an environment, not just one where the seed of God's word would thrive and produce fruit, but also one that honors the masterpiece that you are and acknowledges the care and love that God exercised when He was creating you? I'm going to circle back to smells really quick. Second uh, 2 Corinthians 2:14 2, through17 says, but thank God he made us his captives. So you remember 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, you're not your own. This is almost like a continuation of that, I feel like. 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are life-giving perfume. And who is adequate to such, as, such a task as this? You see, we're not like the many hucksters. Huckster. That's a, that's a name I haven't heard. You little huckster. Preaching for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. What do you smell like? You said not to judge, Nelson. I feel judged. I'm not judging you. I'm asking you to do a smell test of yourself and only yourself. Just, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like you did it. I mean, come on, man. First date with Amy, I was like... Let's check. Smell test. I got the cologne on. Right? You put the cologne on for date night. I'm just saying do the smell test on yourself. Are you under ripe? And if you don't know what you should smell like, can I encourage you with this bag of seeds I bought? Close. I'm still working on it. But I'm getting closer every day. not quite as good as Julian, but getting there. My prayer for us with this message is that and the worship team, you guys can come on up. My prayer for us with this message is that we would start to become more like Jesus. That's just the point. And in that we, as we adopt more of his nature, we start to adopt more of his scent. And I want to encourage you, this says to those that don't know Jesus, you will smell bad. Okay, and that's important to me to say to you because if you determine how you smell based on your non-Christian friends, you will think you're wrong. Okay, if you determine how you smell based on the wrong people, you will think that you're wrong. It's why it's so important to me that you would actually read the scripture yourself. It's why it's so important to me that you would actually get connected. If this is your church home, join a group. Make some friends in this church. I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for the friends I have in this church, for the family I have in this church. It's their smell test that when you go, I can't tell, I need somebody to help me, they'll go, no, it smells good to me. It's them that you can practice doing the tour through your home. Hey, how the conditions feel? They feel like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, love. Do they feel like the other things? My last thing, my last prayer for you guys is that you wouldn't start to try to produce fruit and that you wouldn't settle for buying it. I remember reading the fruit of the spirit and I would strive for it. I would strive to produce love. I would strive to produce joy. I would strive to produce patience. I would strive to produce all the things and it's just exhausting. My prayer for you is that you would actually shift your focus. Not to producing the fruit, but producing an environment where fruit can grow. Focus on the soil, curate the soil, cultivate the soil. Let God's word be planted in that and then curate the environment. Curate the environment. And then let God bring the fruit. There's another scripture where it says one plants, another waters and God brings the fruit. There's another scripture where these grow on a vine. Jesus said, he's the vine. If you want this, we have to connect to that. We have to connect to our Savior. That is what the Holy Spirit is. That is what the Holy Spirit is. And like Kenneth preached last week, Jesus was a person. The Holy Spirit is like, nah, I don't know. Like he's not, is a person, but he's not a tangible person I could ever touch. And so how do we get more of his fruit? by becoming cultivators and curators and not coming on a Sunday every week and getting a slice of mine or a slice of Julian's or a slice of Roger's but actually coming and you got your own backpack with your own harvest with your hundred times harvest that you're believing for that you were like I only needed 80 of it so I got 20 extra cantaloupe who wants some? And can we become a church where no one in our church needs the cantaloupe and we can go with our extra cantaloupe out into the community? Can we become that church? I see that church when I pray. I believe that church is in us. I believe there's many of us already that walk in this posture. And for everyone else, this is an invitation to join us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that your Holy Spirit came because of an act on the cross when your son died, Jesus. Making us worthy vessels to hold your Spirit. Making us able to connect with you, God. Making us able to receive the power and the presence and the person that the Holy Spirit is. Let us not become focused on production But God, highlight in us the the areas of our life that are are hardening our heart or distracting us from your word, God. Let us become hungry and focused. Focused on your word, God. Let us go from consumers to curators and cultivators, God. And before I end in prayer, I just want to pray for one other group. You're like, this Holy Spirit sounds cool. I've never met him. Or maybe you're just hearing about the Holy Spirit and Jesus for the first time. You gain access to this and more by simply acknowledging what Jesus did. So you could pray a prayer like this. You could say, God, I believe that Jesus is your son that he lived a life without sin and died on the cross for mine. I acknowledge that with my faith and believe and I accept the gift of life that he gives with that act on the cross. I wanna live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the prayer that you can pray and that prayer actually is the receiving of the gift that Jesus gave us when he died on the cross. And through that, you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit to produce in you the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of a life lived of faith, not just borrowed from us, but cultivated in your own heart and in your own world. Thanks a lot. I hope you have a great week. I'm gonna throw it to the worship team. But thanks for letting me share. And thanks for doing your homework. Do your homework. Somebody drop it in the chat. I don't have my notes. I don't even remember the homework. I'm a bad teacher. Drop in the chat what the homework is. Don't forget to read that. Let that seed come into prepared hearts. Soften your heart before you do. And I pray that this would have been an encouragement to you.